Section 11 of the Family Kitchen Gardener. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Stearns. The Family Kitchen Gardener by Robert Beast. Section 11. Radish. Ralphinus Raffinus sativus. Rave, French. Retic, German. The native country of this well-known salad plant is supposed to be China. It is valued for us by its agreeable pungency and grateful relish when mixed with salads, or eaten raw with bread and butter. They are supposed to possess medicinal qualities, abounding with a penetrating nitrous juice, rendering them a good antiscorbutic. It is not omitted that they contain much nourishment. They should, however, when eaten, be very brisk and sprightly, always young, not tough, thready, nor overgrown. The young leaves make an agreeable mixture with lettuce, mustard, etc., as a green salad. There is an immense quantity of this article consumed in the spring and early summer season. It is a never-ending crop. Being of a rapid growth, it is up and consumed before the crops of beets, carrots, etc., make any headway so that it occupies no ground as a crop by itself. There are many varieties, among which we select the following as most desirable. Scarlet Short Lop. This is a long, tapering radish, of a good scarlet color, with very short leaves. It is preferred by all gardeners, as it requires much less room than those with large tops, and is also the very earliest variety when obtained pure. Early Salmon very similar to the former, though not of so bright a color, and is a few days later. It succeeds it very conveniently, and is of the same shape. Olive-shaped. This variety appears to be between the scarlet short lop and the red turnip radish, partaking of both shapes, being a long oval, and maturing for the table between those two varieties. White turnip rooted. Very appropriately named and highly esteemed. It succeeds those already described in maturing, and will bear the heat better, without becoming hard and stringy. Red turnip rooted. In shape and size like the white, matures at the same time, and when grown with it, makes a beautiful variety on the table. Long white Portugal. A very beautiful variety, in the shape of the early short top. It does not come so soon as that sort but makes a decided contrast with it. White Summer A large, long, oval variety, cultivated for early summer use, is of an excellent, mild flavor, bears the heat well, and is a beautiful variety. Yellow Summer or Yellow Turnip Rooted The very best for cultivating, and indeed, the only one that stands the heat and drought with impunity. It is about an inch and a half or two inches in diameter, and from two to three inches long. Black Spanish. This is a winter radish, of very large size, turnip form. It should be sown in August and September, lifted in October or November, and stored away in sand in the cellar for supply on the table in winter. It will keep till the following April. Culture. There are few vegetables that require less artificial care and culture than the radish. For the spring crop, it takes a light, rich, dry, sandy loam. 
but for later crops a deep, moist soil is preferred. The first sowing should be made on a south or east border, with the early turnip rooted beets. The radish seed may be sown in drills between the latter, very thinly, covering them with about a quarter of an inch of fine earth. If the nights prove frosty, cover the border with straw, which will gently advance the crop, and prevent its destruction. If sown about the first of March, and good weather ensue, they will be ready in the first week of April. A second sowing with some other crop, such as carrots, should be made about two weeks later, and at the same time sow the turnip-rooted varieties. Another sowing, of all the salmon and turnip kinds, about the middle of April to be followed, with two sowings of white and yellow summer radishes at intervals, will be the principal crops for the season. Towards the end of August and September, early scarlet short-top may again be sown. Also the black Spanish, as formerly directed. Should they be too thick at any time when fairly up, they must be thinned to an inch apart, for, if allowed to grow crowded together, they will not produce a crop. It will take six or eight ounces of radish seed to supply a family fully the whole season, though some writers amuse us by saying an ounce or two is enough. They must never have sown an ounce of radish seed and seen its produce. If the weather is dry at any of the sowings, the seed should have a few waterings, till it is fairly above ground. And even when they are growing, it is of much service in rendering the roots more crisp and better flavored. Forcing radishes. Very little artificial heat is required to grow them in perfection. Make a gentle hotbed, about 18 inches thick, on which place a frame. Fill in one foot of good, light, rich soil. After it remains a few days, to get warm throughout, sow the seeds rather thickly. Spread a small portion of fine soil over them. Give the whole a gentle press on the back of the spade. Put on the sash and keep close till the seeds appear above ground. Then air freely. If the plants are thick, thin them out at once to about an inch apart. Water occasionally when the soil appears to get dry. If sashes are not to be obtained, shutters and mats make a tolerable substitute. And after the first of March, will do perfectly, though forcing early crops cannot succeed without the use of a good glass sash. The best variety of radish for the purpose is the long scarlet early short top, or a variety of it called early frame. We have already alluded to the practice of sowing radishes among the cauliflower and winter lettuce. Radishes sown for seed should be kept apart from any other variety. If they are within 300 yards of each other, they will mix. Where the early scarlet is wished very pure, it is our practice to transplant a few thousand every season to seed for early forcing. If it cannot be kept so far apart, save the seeds of two kinds every year, for three years. You will then have six sorts in culture, and the seed will keep three years perfectly, if in a dry place. Rhubarb. Rhum. Rhubarbimum. Rhubarb. French. Rhubarber. German. The rhubarb of commerce is the root of the plant, which is principally grown in Asia, where it is dried and prepared for exportation to a very great extent. It is chiefly purchased by the Turks, who monopolize the trade as much as possible, and from it derive a large profit. It has been for centuries held in the highest estimation for its medicinal properties. It is a mild cathartic, 
and commonly considered one of the safest and most innocent substances of the class, though I have found that very large doses act as a very severe emetic. With its purgative virtues, it has a mild astringent one, and is found to strengthen the tone of the stomach. In addition to these qualities of the root, the stock is allowed by all medical men to make one of the most cooling, wholesome, and delicious tarts that can be sent to the table. And though it does at first appear to some to have a peculiar flavor, yet they who use it very soon prefer it to any other fruit. Its rank flavor, however, entirely depends upon the age of the stalks. When young, they are entirely free from it. The variety of rhubarb for cooking forms an object of much interest and even great profit to the market gardener, and to every householder who has a garden it cannot be too highly recommended as a very salubrious vegetable for the family, either stewed or in tarts and pies. For dysentery in children, it is an infallible remedy, stewed, seasoned with sugar, and eaten, and any quantity with bread. The stalk is fit for use when the leaf begins to expand. Take the outside skin off the stalk, cut it into pieces about an inch long, put them into a saucepan, and cover them with plenty of brown sugar and a few tablespoonfuls of cold water. Cover it, and let it stew slowly till perfectly soft. After having fooled, it is ready for use. Few vegetables have made a more rapid progress in their cultivation within the past fifteen years than this article, and we yet expect to see it cultivated by the hundred acres and brought to our market in wagon loads. The following sorts are all deserving our particular attention. Tabalsk, a very early, small, red variety of excellent flavor for an early crop or forcing. It grows in very rich ground to about eighteen inches or two feet long. Washington, a green variety, very much spotted on the footstalks, grows two feet long and is a second early sort. Giant, a very large green variety with round stalks that will grow four feet long and nearly the thickness of a man's wrist. It is cultivated in England to an immense extent, as a late variety, to supply the market the whole summer. Mammoth. This sort was raised by me from the seed of the former. It grows from three to four feet long with stalks of great thickness, of a flat shape. It has taken the prize as the best rhubarb at the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society's meetings the past three years. It is of an excellent flavor. Myatis Victoria. This is a red variety of great excellence and richly flavored, grows very strong, equal to the giant, and much earlier than that variety, is richly deserving of extensive culture. Large Early Red a seedling, by me, from the Victoria. It is even larger than its parent, comes eight full days earlier, and will prove the best early rhubarb we have yet had brought to our notice. The stalks are three feet long, and are quite fit for use before the leaf begins to expand. It is richly flavored. It may be observed that the red-stalked sorts are generally earlier than those with green stems. Rum palatum Rum palmatum, or palmated leaved rhubarb, is the variety that is cultivated in China and Tartary for its roots. And in some countries another species, the tindulatum, is grown for the same purpose. There is no doubt that all the other varieties possess the same medicinal properties when they attain sufficient age, 
which is allowed to be seven years. Culture. Rhubarb is propagated either by seeds or by division of the roots. Where a great quantity is wanted, the former process will have to be resorted to. Though the plants raised in this manner will not be of a uniform character, yet from seeds of the best kinds all will be worth cultivation. The seeds should be sown as early as can be done in spring. On light dry soil, draw drills about an inch deep and one foot apart, in which sow the seeds thinly and cover evenly. They will be up in about four weeks, and if the weather proves dry, give them occasional waterings. Hoe them freely to keep under the weeds. Sow a very few radish seeds with them, and you will thereby see clearly where to use the hoe, and the radishes will be pulled before the rhubarb plants have made much progress. When they are an inch high, thin them out to four inches apart, and allow them to grow till October, at which time a piece of deep, rich ground should be selected, and dug eighteen inches deep, manuring it well with very rotten dung, and breaking and working it perfectly with a spade. When it has settled for about two weeks, set out the plants two feet apart in the row, and four feet between the rows. Plant the crowns two inches below the surface, and cover them four or five inches thick with leaves, or litter from the stable, to prevent the frost from throwing them out of the ground during winter. No farther after culture is required beyond keeping the ground clear of weeds. In the first year, a crop of lettuce, beans, or early cabbage can be taken from between the rows, as the plants will not attain their full size for two years. In the early part of winter, every year, cover the ground with a few inches of manure, digging it in with a fork, and spring among the roots. Rhubarb, thus treated, will continue many years in great perfection, and produce a very ample return. Where there are only a few roots wanted, they may be procured by the division of one or two good roots, leaving an eye to each, and planting them at once in ground prepared as above, where they are to remain. About eight or ten plants will suffice for a small family, though twenty will not be too many. By this method it will be ready for use in the first year after planting, whereas from seed it is three years before it is ready for the table. In removing the stalks for use, first scrape away a little of the earth, then bend down the stalk you wish to remove, and slip it off from the crown without breaking or cutting it. The stalks should not be used after the leaves are full grown, as they are then too hard and stringy. Use the stalks only of such leaves as are about half, or nearly fully expanded. Where there is a large supply, it can be made into a preserve of any kind. Both an excellent jam and jelly can be made from either the green or red varieties, though the color of that made from the latter is more beautiful, being a fine dark pink. Artificial Culture To force rhubarb, it is only necessary to procure some large pots, boxes, or half-barrels, and invert them over the roots. Then cover the whole entirely, ground and all, with leaves and hot stable manure. This will cause an agreeable heat to arise. The plants will grow freely under their warm, dark covering. The stalks will be finely blanched, very tender and delicately flavored. This operation should be performed before the ground gets frozen, by placing the boxes, etc., over the plants intended to be forced, and covering the ground with eight or ten inches of leaves or litter. Then about the middle of January, mix the leaves as many more with warm dung, as will entirely cover the articles under which the plants are preserved. If properly managed, 
the stalks will be fit for use in from four to six weeks, and the plants will continue to produce till the roots in the open air take their place. They too are greatly benefited by placing a barrel over them as soon as they begin to grow in the spring. The stems grow more tender and much longer by this process. There should be a few holes in the barrel, or a part of the bottom taken out to admit a little air, though it is not absolutely essential. Many persons may dislike all this trouble, and others have not the material at command. To such, we say, cover the roots with six or eight inches of any dry material, which will forward them two weeks before those that are uncovered. Others may have the convenience of a greenhouse under the stage, or some other warm building, even a warm closet, or a furnace in the cellar. In such situations, the plants can be forwarded by planting them in November into large pots or boxes, with good earth, and placing them at any required time into any of these situations, giving water freely when they begin to grow. A crop will be obtained in a space of time varying according to the heat that is at command. After the plants have done producing stocks for culinary use, they may be turned out into a half-shady, rich piece of ground. In May, when after a season's growth, they can again be used for the same purpose. Hotbeds, frames, or pits will also do for forcing this article, but in such a case, the glass must be darkened to cause them to grow and blanch. The atmosphere must also be freely saturated with water, to make the stalks swell to their full height and size. These are two advantages in blanching rhubarb. First, the desirable qualities of appearance and flavor, and secondly, a saving in the quantity of sweetening material to render them agreeable to the taste. The stalks, when blanched, are more tender than when grown under the influence of strong light and in open situations. Culture in cold or hot latitudes. There is no obstacle to the cultivation of this interesting plant. It will stand unprotected as far north as the St. Lawrence, and yield annually a large litter and cultivate the ground as previously directed. If there is three months of good sun, it is all the plant requires to mature it. Wherever oats will grow, the rhubarb will thrive, only give it depth of soil for its roots, and manure to stimulate its luxuriance. In southern latitudes, it must be planted in moist situations, and under the shade of buildings, to ward off the scorching rays of the sun at midday, and in dry periods, it must be watered freely. The whole of this continent, from the Gulf of Mexico to Hudson Bay, may enjoy the luxury of this vegetable. Its cultivation may be pursued to any extent for its root for medicinal purposes. In such a case, the species undulatum and palmatum should be planted two by four feet apart. They should not be robbed of their leaves at any period of their growth. After the roots have been seven years under culture, they are then ready to be lifted. After being washed thoroughly and deprived of their small fibers, cut the strong roots into pieces about two inches long and these pieces lengthwise. Thread them on cords and hang them up to dry. These cords should be turned upside down every day for a week to prevent the juice settling in any one part of the root. They should not be laid on boards to dry, for the board will absorb a portion of the juice, depriving the roots of so much of their strength. We doubt not, but it may be thus, be dried as perfectly in this country as in any of those where it is cultivated for export. End of section 11. Recording by Jennifer Stearns, Concord, New Hampshire.